and welcome to For the Love of Nature, a podcast where we tell you everything you need to know about nature and probably more than you wanted to know. I'm Laura. And I'm Katie. And today we are going to do another, I would say deep dive, but this one's going to be really short. <laughs> a superficial dive. Yeah, superficial. Into another taxon. <laughs> yeah. uh, superficial dive. Superficial dive. And we are going to be talking about protists. Yes. So we were going to talk about how protists are essential to life on Earth. So as a quick refresher for everybody, um, we said that we wanted to kind of make our way through different taxons of animals and, well, taxons of living things. Yeah. So all life can be categorized into eight levels, each getting more and more specific. We previously covered bacteria, which is a domain, and that's the highest level of life, and fungi, which is a kingdom, aka the second highest level. So taxonomy is complicated and constantly changing. Um, so, you know, th- things are always, people are discovering things, they're lumping things together, they're splitting them apart, um, but we're kind of making our way from the top down. Yeah. So today we're talking about protista, um, which is a catch-all group. So protists, which are either a kingdom-level grouping called protista which is under the domain eukaryote, which, and those are living things that have cells with a nucleus, or people sometimes consider them several kingdoms of stuff, depending on the scientists you ask, because protista is a catch-all group for any eukaryote that isn't a plant, animal, or fungi. Like, that's the definition. Yeah. Which I did. I which, was, is, like, which is a catch-all group. <laughs> Thank you for the definition. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally just anything else. So they're all pretty different than one another, and there's no rule for what they all have in common. Um, most are single-celled. Even if they are multi-celled, they aren't multi-tissued. So that means, like... It's you know, one thing. Have, yeah. Right. One, one thing. thing. They don't have, like, organs and things like that. Some are more like plants, while others are more like animals. Not all are microscopic. Some are. Some are mobile. Others aren't. And some scientists agree that this shouldn't be a kingdom at all, which <laughs> definitely it should not be. Yeah, I, I don't think it should be. Because they're nothing alike. <laughs> no. It's like, it's, this is the... the it's a catch-all. ...shoved under your bed. Yes, yeah, it yeah. is. It is a catch-all. I don't know what they are, so we'll just say this. Yeah. But because of, like, because of genetics and stuff, we're learning more and more about these guys. And so really, I think we're getting to the point where we could come up with some more kingdoms. I think we could. I think we could. Um, so... There are anywhere from 60,000 to 200,000 species uh, lumped in this category. Ooh, um, that's a lot. Y- yeah. And they can be broken into three groups. There's the protozoans, which are the animal-like ones. Those are things like amoebas, ciliates, flagellates, a couple of other things. Then there's the protophytas, which are the plant-like ones. That's things like algae, diatoms, and a few others. And then there's the fungi-like ones, which are slime molds and water molds. So three, at least there should be three different kingdoms in here. The protozoans, the protophytas, and the fungi-like ones. Um, so as I said, they're all super different. So I'm, I'm just going to talk to, uh, I'm going to talk about some characteristics that some of them may have that stood out to me. So the ones that are photosynthetic create their own nutrients from the sun like plants do. Um... Though they're equi- they're, the equipment that they do this with may be a little bit different than plant cells. Yes. Ones that are heterotrophic, which means ones that need to eat other things, like how animals need to eat, 
um, they can be broken down into two groups. So like when we think about eating other things, you know, we're thinking like we eat plants, we eat meat. Well, these guys have different ways of feeding because we're talking about single-celled organisms here. Um, so there are ones that we call phagotrophs, meaning that they surround and swallow things, like an amoeba. They'll, like, surround the whole thing and then just... Yeah, eat it. it. Yeah. Then there's the osmotrophs, and they're the ones that just absorb stuff from their surroundings. Because why not? The lazy ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They don't hunt. They don't. They literally just absorb what's around them. Um, and then there are some... I thought this was cool. There are some that are both photosynthetic and heterotrophic, hmm. and so they are called mixotrophs. Original, I know. Right? Mixotrophs. <laughs> Good job, scientists. Being yeah, lazy. Yeah. Um, some produce asexually, uh, which means that they just split, like, through, like, binary fission or some other ways, and others are sexual, and some could even do both. Um... <laughs> Many can move around using either cilia, which kind of look like undulating hairs, or flagella, which look like little tails and makes them kind of look like like tadpoles, although they can have multiple of them. Or they can move around using pseudopods, which I love that word, and that means like squishy feet, essentially. Um, And that's the things that amoebas have. So they kind of like stretch out a foot. Pull themselves along. Stretch out a foot. Pull themselves along. <laughs> Which is weird, but then cute at the same time. Like, yeah, yeah. I think amoebas are kind of cute. Uh, so that is the different types that there are, ish, and the different characteristics. And when you say um, ish, we really mean ish, because that's why this is, it really is a catch-all group. Right. It is, and I remember learning about these in, in college, but I, I don't think I realized, like, how haphazardly these ones were thrown Agreed. together. And I and I think that is because, like, we're realizing more and more, like, uh, they're not at all alike. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, and right, like, are they, are, are they a domain? Are they a kingdom? I think, like you said before, I think that or scientists one kingdom or several i should say and i and i think we're far enough along of of learning and knowing about them that one we should be able to put these either in different groups you know where they if they don't if we figure out okay we know a little bit more about them we can put them over here or over here and kind of divide this group up a little bit more because it is just a really bizarre yeah group. well because some of them are more related to to like a plant than yes. they are to each other. A hundred percent. Not yeah. in the same group. Not at not all. even related. Yeah. Not at all. Um and if you look up some like trees of life or, you know, like some taxon mm-hmm. charts, they have broken them down into they have. several kingdoms. Some have broken them down into several kingdoms. But this is not like a, a consensus across yeah, the no. board. You can still find Kingdom Protista. Yep. And then other people are like Protista does not exist. Yeah. Um so it kind of depends on who you ask. But I think basically, basically single-celled organisms that aren't plants, fungi, or animals, <laughs> but are like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of scientists think that this might be, this is, might be the, like, the, the first eukaryotic yes, cells. the first. Like, probably this is where animal, plant, fungi life came from. Um ish which would make but, sense but at the same yeah. time divide them up a little really bit simpler to more and more complicated yeah so uh katie what purpose do they serve why do we should we even care about amoebas <laughs> holy crap that, you only have seven minutes <laughs> really seven minutes <laughs> <laughs> uh 
<laughs> hey man, it's a, 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 a short one. It is going to be a very short one. All right. We said a superficial dive. <laughs> it is very superficial because the kids, one, even though they are very diverse, there's really not a whole lot to talk about them. Without going real Really deep. deep. And but because they're so different, I feel like it'd be hard to go really It would be because... Because it's so drastically different. They would be so drastically we different. we got to break it down into multiple we, episodes. I, we would have we to. Will, I think. Yeah. Maybe at some point. Like, because I think protozoans are really cool. Protozo- yeah. to know and talk more about, about amoebas. Them. And yes. Like, maybe not like water molds and slime molds, but protozoans. <laughs> yeah. Would be cool. It's just these ones aren't. All right. So what We're is. talking about the highest level of it. Yes. Yeah. All right. So what is the purpose and function of these guys? If they are so diverse. Again, they kind of are a catch-all. So their purpose and function is a catch-all. Catch-all. Uh, <laughs> so um, one of their jobs functions is they are primary producers slash food sources for a lot of things. And once I start talking about this a little bit, you'll be like, oh, I see where these kind of fit in. Um, so they are a central food source and provide, uh, nutrition for many other organisms. In some cases, example, zooplankton, which are proteins, they're consumed directly by a number of sea animals. Um, there are even photosynthetic proteins that serve as producers of nutrition for other organisms, paramecium barcerae. I don't know. Yeah. And and uh, several other species of ciliates are mixotrophic, like Laura was saying, due to their symbiotic relationship with green algae. Um, this is a temporary version of the secondary endosymbiotic chloroplast found in euglea. Whatever that is. Whatever euglena oh, is. Euglena is oh, an organelle in a cell. <laughs> I thought you were just... Oh, the euglena. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, oh, what do you have against the oh, glena? Yeah, glena. Yeah. No, I, I was just making me think, though, that you were talking about, like, the zooplankton, the phytoplankton. I I feel like the, there's a magic school bus that I always think about whenever I think about zooplankton and phytoplankton. Because I think they become them to learn about the food chain, maybe, or something. Oh, really? I don't know. But talking about how some of them, like, zooplankton are, like, microscopic, but um, I you know, not all of them are. For example, that brown algae can be like 137 feet long. And that so is considered gross. a protist. Really? So like you go from like... Oh, true, I guess so, yeah. To like... Which is so disgusting. Giant. Yeah. Ew. Anyway. Um, but pe- things eat the algae, and so again, bottom of the food chain, whether it be the plants or the animals. Yep. And plant-like. Plant-like, yes. And so, there's another one called Zuzanavli. Zuzanavli. I don't know. Oh, Zuzanavli. <laughs> <laughs> so, they provide nutrients for coral polyps. Which, I mean, we all need coral polyps. Well, the... <laughs> How do we? <laughs> I mean, so the ocean. like it was a known fact. Oh, we all need coral polyps. The I've ocean. Never used a coral polyp in my life. The oceans do. The oceans do. <laughs> um, but that actually gives the corals a boost of energy, which help them to grow, of course. And so, again, food, um, because they are so small. Uh, let's see here. 
I love looking at things under a microscope. Like it is really fun. Yeah, like like the bacteria and stuff are like eh, kind of kind of cool, but they don't move. But like when you look at things, and you can see things moving, moving. around. Yes, it's the way cooler things. Super cool. So with those coral polyps, though, the for these protozoans, zooxanthellae, whatever. Uh, <laughs> The corals, in turn, provide the proteins with a protected environment and the compounds needed for photosynthesis. So it is like kind of a mutual uh, symbiotic relationship. So it works out for both of them. Um, They eat and then also find a home there. Yes, here it is. So the other thing, unfortunately, human pathogens. Lovely. Right? That's what I want. (laughs) Right. A, A human pathogen. Um, so, even though it's not a good function and it's not a good purpose, this is still what they do. Uh, so, anything, I feel like everything we talk about ends up leading back to something as ends up being a disease. Um, <laughs> but, You're a disease. <laughs> right? So many things are like, oh, that can kill you. Um, so, well, parent- That's nature, man. It really is. All right, so let me give you some examples here. So, one of the uh, proteases is plasmodium, which is... I was just going to say malaria. Malaria. Like the most famous. Yep. So, in 2015, the WHO reported over 200 million cases of malaria, mostly in Africa, South America, and Southern Asia. However, it's not well known that malaria was also prevalent... um, also prevalent disease in north central region of the united states particularly in michigan um with its thousands of lakes and numerous swamps yeah which makes sense which i didn't know all right so prior to the civil war and the drainage of many of those swamps swamps virtually everyone who uh immigrated to michigan picked up malaria whoa yeah didn't know didn't know um let's see here and the it says and the pale sh- Sallow, bloated faces of that period were the rule. Lovely. Right? The malaria face. The only healthy faces were worn by those immigrants who had just arrived, which is insane. That it's, like, that commonplace. You're like, oh, you're an out-of-towner because you've not looked diseased. Like, yeah, you look healthy. You look healthy. You, you must, must not be, be from f- out of town. <laughs> yeah, you must be from out of town. Yeah. So I, I didn't know that. Vampires. So gross. Um, malaria there's a no joke no it's not and we do know that malaria is caused by several different species um within the protist genus plasmodium so there are different members of plasmodium um which require both a mosquito and a vertebrate to complete their life cycle of this protease in vertebrates the parasite develops in liver cells and goes to infect the red blood cells, bursting from and destroying the blood cells with each asexual reproduction so cycle. Yeah, which is nuts here. Another one is called Trypanosoma, which uh-huh, is a big one, that. which is this Tsetsefly in Africa. Oh, the sleeping sickness. Yep. Um, in Africa, related to flies in South America, and is phalanged endoparasitic, responsible for the deadly disease Nagna, Nagana, I don't know, in, in cattle and horses, and for African sleeping sickness in humans. So it causes one thing in cattle and horses, and then something completely different in humans. 
The trypanosome compounds, uh, or sorry, confounds the human immune system by changing its thick layer of surface gly- glycoproteins with each infectious cycle. So the the trypanosoma has thousands of possible antigens, and with each subsequent generation, the protein switches to a glycoprotein coating with a different molecular structure. So, I feel like this is where we've lost people. They're like, okay, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it's capable like, of repl- replicating continuously without the immune system ever succeeding in clearing the parasite is the important part of all that. Right. So we're like a virus... You know, your body recognizes a virus because it's a protease, because it is like an animal-ish thing. Yeah. It's changing. And that one, trypanosoma is, or trypanosomes, um, they just keep changing and can't figure it out. We're we're in disguises. Right, yeah. And so there's also um, plant parasites that we have that causes a bunch of different mildews. And, but. The brain-eating amoebas. For protease? Yeah. Well, are I they protease? Protease. Yeah, yeah, I guess true. Um, yeah, like there's some brain eating ones that you get from like the water or raccoon poop. Yep. Um, so another one, another function that they serve, which is uh, this one's actually important. Diseases, maybe not so much, but <laughs> population control. I don't know. That's yeah, yeah. But um, decomposers. So again, because they are a catch-all, there are protein. That's important. Yeah. Also, there are fungus-like proteins, saprones, which are specialized to absorb nutrients from non-living organic matter, such as dead organisms or their waste. For instance, many types of, oh uh, gosh. Well, I said the slime molds and the water molds. Well, it's the, 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 the oomycetes, remember those? There's like the oomycetes and the oomycetes grow on dead animals or algaes. Um, saprotic proteins have an essential function of returning inorganic nutrients to soil and water. So that, that one is important. always important. Always, yeah. always, always. Well, minus, um, some, well, I wouldn't say all decomposers are important. I guess they're important. Whether we want them around or not is another question. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so why are these guys important? Okay, so we have the decomposers and everything, but proteins also play an important role within the environment because... Scientists are saying that of the plant-like ones, the plant-like proteins produce almost half the oxygen that's found on Earth right. through photosynthesis. That's, right. that's crazy because they always say it's from the the plants in the ocean, but they mean like the phytoplankton. In yeah, the, ocean. the 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 proteins of it, not just like yeah. So while we're all running around trying to save the trees, save it's the proteins. Those... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> save the proteins. Save the phytoplankton. Yeah, right. Um, so not only like acting as decomposers and help in recycling nutrients to the ecosystems, but I mean, supplying being food and of course being food, they supply a heck of a ton of oxygen that we need. So that's the importance of them. Literally couldn't survive without them. Yeah. I mean, minus the disease part of them, we could probably survive. (laughs) That we would literally survive. Yeah. Yeah, Literally. But life on Earth essential. They are essential to life on Earth because at least of the oxygen at the very least. At the very, yeah. <laughs> the only, why are you important? The, ah, the oxygen of it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> eh, small things. So anyway, so is there anything else you wanted to add? I know we're going to keep this episode short, but like we were saying before, it's either we go a deep dive 
And it's just so different. So we either deep well, dive and, or keep it at surface level. deep dive about the specifics. Yes, too, of each I one like, of them. Right. Which I think, again, like we can, just like we dove into fungi, that's yep. fine. And we're going to keep. Dive into some other things. And we're going to keep doing these guys too. Like, so yeah, we didn't want to like totally, because you guys might be thinking, well, if you guys didn't have a whole lot of content for this one, why'd you throw it out? Well, because we can't talk about it in, in depth. Like we can't talk about, we can't go down to that next level if we didn't right. already give you the overview of it. We so. need to give you guys the base knowledge. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or else whenever we say, oh, it's a protease, you'd be like, what the heck is that, Katie? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, we've already told you what it is. Please see episode this one. Protease. Episode Because we can't keep track of, of any of these anymore. We're too too far in now. All right. Did you have well, anything else? that was your, uh, no, that was uh, their daily dose of science for the day. There you I go. The week, probably. I think probably for the week. <laughs> for the week. People. Yeah. Or just the word glycoproteins probably made some people's eyeballs look glazed over. <laughs> it's important, though. It's important. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, go check us out on Patreon and support us so we can keep talking about glycoproteins. No. Yeah, but we do have we have a, a guest coming up here soon, and multiple guests coming multiple up guests I'm coming up. Excited about yeah, and we have a lot of fun things planned. So go check us out on Patreon, support us because then we can get uh, better equipment, uh, better platforms for online for hosting and everything. Hopefully, so um, yeah, go support us, and then we can just keep bringing you more things not about glycoprotein. There you go. Support <laughs> us so you don't have to hear about glycoproteins again. <laughs> all right talk to you guys all next week bye everyone